and welcome to this week's episode of Wade In. Uh, after the week that was all about team racing in the last seven days in horse racing, we had the Shergar Cup, we had the Racing League, teams, 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 and one man who I always feel is on my team. Well, up until this weekend is Kevin Blake. We've worked together for years. I always felt like he was on my side, on my squad. And then if anyone saw a social media content after the weekend, I'm now questioning whether you are actually on my team, Kevin Blake. What's that? I don't know what you're talking about. No, no. Your little like Charlie's Angels picture. I just feel like I wasn't involved and I'm not there. Well, look, if a lot of women come over and grab hold of me and make me stand in for a photo of Vanessa, you know, if you did the same, I'd stand in with you, which is well, but look, I'm in high demand. What can I say? Jesus. <laughs> if anyone is lost here, do give Kevin Blake a follow on Instagram, because since he's ramped up his Instagram content, I've really seen a completely different side to him. <laughs> and now look, uh, if we're talking about team members, then our newest team member, Brendan Duke, is with us today. How are you, Brendan? Good form, thanks, Vanessa. Good, good to know. Now you you can replace Kevin on my team, and now that I've sort of like given him the heave ho, given him now, the side. Now, now that I'm the Dan Bilzerian of, of horse racing. Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> wow, you, you said it. You said it. Right. Um, <laughs> goodness sake! Let's would you be, would you believe? Off. Would you believe Dan Bilzerian was in Cashel recently? He stayed, he, he stayed in the Cashel Palace. He was there. He was up at the Rock of Cashel. I've seen pictures. Really? <laughs> Genuinely. Okay, okay. It's left field fact, but that's why we have Kevin on this show. Uh, let's kick straight on to reviewing the week's action. And no better place to start than the Phoenix Stakes, the Group 1, Little Big Bear Brendan. Um, I don't know if we need to use any more superlatives than that have already been used for this performance because it was basically a demolition job. Yeah, I, I mean, you just don't. Certainly, when we, we were previewing that race, it was uh, try to throw them up in the air. There's a load of promising, talented horses in here. It's going to be a horse race, and it, it wasn't. Um, it, it was a procession. <laughs> Um, okay, Brad, Bradsell trip coming out of the stalls uh, would have compromised his performance, but I, I can't believe the Persian Force or Shartash didn't run their race. And he, I mean, he's beaten them hollow. Uh, it, it was just an extraordinary performance. Actually, uh, uh, fun fact and a little uh, bad beat story to tell the grandkids. Uh, the only time I backed it, the Big Bear was the time oh. he got beaten. So that's a fair oh. achievement. Uh, but again, the reason I backed him first time out is because he's such a good looking horse and uh, he, he still is. He towered over them in the ring. Uh, a very impressive physical specimen, very impressive um, athlete in the races. And uh, it's just interesting. I mean, I, I mean it, 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 I'm a terror for this, and I suppose we all do it in, in terms of uh, looking forward. So Aiden, after the race, mentioned basically every target. Everything, the boat. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the horse could go for the boat race the way he was going on. Now, I <laughs> thought that, I thought that it could be really interesting. Now, I thought maybe he might go for the morn, which is on the same weekend as the futurity. Now, obviously, he, ha he has a number of interesting horses in the, the futurity, August Rodan and uh, Hans Anderson and uh, the Denmark. So uh, it, it, they'll be the horses maybe he's thinking about going for, for the national stakes. But if they get turned over, because they, there, there are some interests in opposition, from, certainly one from Dunnock and one from Joseph, that could go and win the futurity. Like, Aiden, uh, uh, the... the 
Phoenix Stakes is his personal property. So he wanted that back and he got it back. But the National Stakes, which is great for Irish racing, Charlie Appleby has taken a real shine to the National Stakes. And I'd say he'd want it back. So maybe if little big, if, if they thought they, they weren't going to win the National Stakes, they might divert him to the National Stakes. Or could they, and this is outrageous, could Aidan O'Brien go full Johannesburg with this horse and go Royal Ascot to Anglesey to... Phoenix Stakes, pay homage to a sire by going and winning the morning, go and win the middle park, and then send them for the Breeders' Cup class or for the Breeders' Cup juvenile. It's not it's not Ooh. completely beyond the, the well, well, the, 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 there are sort of parallels with uh, Johannesburg, who, who was by Hennessy, all uh, an American head horse, but a, a turf performer, a bit like no, nay, never. I don't think it's beyond the bounds. Like, who's going to do what Aidan O'Brien would do? And he's a man of uh, great ambition. And imagination. I think it's not a million that could happen. Oh goodness, you've really given this some thought in terms of Little Big Bear's future yeah. planning. And we yeah. had a question from Kirsty H for this show about whether Little Big Bear will stay further in time. And Kevin, as Brendan's touched upon, this is a horse who, I mean, he was after the Aidan O'Brien interview, he was quoted um, as talking about him as a non-thorpe as a potential, and he's six to one for that. And now he's <laughs> five to one for favorite from 12 to 1 for the 2000 guineas next year i mean basically, oh, yes. <laughs> the, the the options are just uh, seemingly endless but being a realist can you see where brendan's coming from in terms of that potential future plan you can do anything with him really and i'm not saying that in kind of the the, the all-encompassing you know uh, marketing talk that you inevitably get but like you really could because <laughs> like his last two starts like he's broken the clock over six furlongs like he's clearly like very fast, you know. People say, "Oh, of course, Aiden would talk about non torps and blah blah." But like the proof is in the pudding, and he dropped him at the five furlongs for Royal Ascot when he when he didn't have to. You know, he could have run him in the Coventry. You know, would have been a more natural target. Um, and he dropped him at the five because he thought he was fast enough, and he was fast enough. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt his speed. Like the other thing you say about him is like he he's notably relaxed. Like he hasn't pulled in uh, to any extent in any of his starts in his career thus far, and like you go exploring his pedigree, and like he he's um, is the grandson or great grandson of an arc winner. Like everything his dam has thrown, his dam is by bearing, and everything she has thrown so far has certainly stayed at least a mile, a couple of mistakes, you know, very much middle distances. Um, like he's he's and no nay like while he's a speed influence himself like he has got um you know group one winners at a mile and uh, you know in alcohol free springs to mind and that's before you know no nay's mare quality gets wrapped up when we get to see them in classics you know coming out of Galileo mares etc you know I've no doubt he'll get plenty yeah. of classic horses going forward um and really the world is his oyster you know to me after the race I'm thinking right no one Aiden the national stakes is where this horse will go next. You know, that's kind of the established, um, the established route, but he hasn't gotten the established route with himself as such. So, um, all options are open. And I love that shout for, from Brendan about potentially going on the dirt at the Breeders' Cup. Um, because it would be a right homage to, to Johannesburg, you know, who of course is, is little big bear, uh, descends from, you know, no, nay, never, uh, by Scat Daddy, by Johannesburg. Um, so you know it's it's there, you know there's enough dirt and on, on the on the daddy side of the pedigree, and geez, wouldn't that be exciting? But um, he is 
they, they just go, but to go back to the performance, like it, it was stunning. You know, and we've seen wide. I've, I recall personally seeing wide margin winners at the Phoenix before. Um, you know, George Washington sprang to mind straight away. Um, Johannesburg himself in what was I, I'm almost certain the last Phoenix to be run around Leopardstown. He won that by a long way. Um, but you go back and you look at what they were beating, and they weren't beating loads. Um, and I think this horse probably was beating loads. Like these are lovely horses. Yeah. He's, le- well, he's left absolutely in their way. I loved Hannon. I think it was Hannon's quote afterwards that he didn't feel like there was a horse that could beat Persian four seven lengths in that sort of category at that sort of trip. And yet this horse did that. And he said that, I think, in the in the post-race at the Curra, that was his feedback. So, you know, if, if Persian force put, you know, in his best performance and you take it literally, sometimes I think like these things can be too good to be true. But in this case, it feels like it actually was that good. No, and I'd be with you. I'd, I'd normally be skeptical. I'm a skeptical Stephen, as you know, as you well know, Vanessa. But um, like, if this, if this, yeah. if this was just a, an effective match race with him and Brad, so and Brad so stumbled at the start like he did, and you know, it wasn't a huge thing. It was something. It definitely didn't help him. How much did it hurt him? I'm not so sure. But you know, if the, if it was just Brad in the race, you might say, okay, probably too good to be true. Brad clearly didn't give us running. But as Brendan says, like. You have Persian Force there. You have Shartash there. Like they can't all have have run notably below themselves. And if if you okay. have if you have Persian Force running to his sort of level, you know that puts that puts Shartash in the right sort of zone, and that puts Little Big Bear up around one thirty. You know, which is yeah. stratospheric stuff, really, for a two year old. Okay, to wrap to wrap this little big bear section up because he was the performance of the weekend. Quick answers from both of you, Brendan. Coming your way first on a scale of one to ten of excitement levels about this horse going forwards. One being not that bothered, not at all bothered, and ten being so excited you can't sleep at night. Where does this horse rank on the excitement levels in terms of future prospects for you, Brendan? One to ten. An eight, but I sleep like a baby. <laughs> Bear, what about you, Kevin? Come on, skeptical I, Simon, or whatever the hell you call yourself. I, I'm not physically capable of going beyond an eight, and I give it an eight. I reckon. <laughs> I wow. He's, okay. he's, he's he's class. Like that. That was properly. Wow. The, that that was deep stuff. Now that like that does okay. it doesn't get loads better than that now for me. Really okay. Good. Well, that is listeners. That's about as good as it gets from Kevin and Brendan. Eight as well. Wow, I'm I'm impressed, boys. Let's move on. Some other good performances. Um, Newmarket score a bright diamond. Brendan, did you get to see her? She seemed to throw up a bit of a surprise, and she's now introduced at twenty five to one for the one thousand guineas betting uh, for the Carl Burke team. But a little bit unexpected on price, and from a yard who normally know what they have. Indeed, and and would have, have have plenty to work her with, but they mentioned that she doesn't do a a, a whole pile of which I think because she wasn't massively expensive as a breezer, but she was fifty odd grand by a stallion that's maybe standing for five or six, so she must have shown something in the breeze up uh, to to get that kind of money. But then went to sleep when she went back home, and I suppose given she was a breezer, she was very laid out for her debut. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened there. But yeah, I mean, couldn't have been more impressive. Green as grass. It's a it's a new market maiden. There were some nice pedigrees in behind. Hard to believe again that they were all useless. So uh, yeah, they'll be absolutely made up with her. Um, he's talking about the May Hill 
and I, I suppose you'd have to you, you, you'd have to really um, look forward to her in a big way and, and be thinking about stakes company. Absolutely. And sticking with Newmarket, Kev, uh, we saw Lakota Sue win the Sweet Solera for the Charlie and Mark Johnson team on her fourth run. She's now been introduced at 33 to 1 for the 1,000 guineas and the Oaks at sort of from 40 uh from 66s to 40s um she has this remarkable way of kind of swishing her tail and she doesn't they say that that's okay because she always does it but she didn't look the most straightforward i didn't think kevin no there's definitely a bit going on there um yeah. the, t- the tail is, is like clearly like really unpleasant to the eye but it's something you'd forgive if it was, if it was just it if just she does it all the time that's her so be it um like i think they'll ride her differently um the next day and like I think she she hit the front a fair way out, and as soon as she got to the front, like she started wheeling around like a like like a bus with broken wheels. Like um, you know, James Doyle had a had a had a hard time now. You know, caused a bit of inter- a couple of bits of interference to the second. I was surprised they didn't call cause um, call a stewards. The, the stewards I didn't look was into surprised it. Surprised as well. Yeah. yeah, I see from the report they looked into it and acknowledged that there was interference. Um, but they evidently did immediately or quite quickly after the result, the, the race finished, decided that it wasn't going to impact on the results. So they, uh, there was no bing bong and they dealt with it themselves. They, they, they concluded that James kind of did all he could in, in difficult circumstances and that there, there wasn't a riding offense, which is fair enough. But come on, you, you got to call the stewards for something like this, don't you? Um, well, look, the level of with, form. With British you, pudding, Kevin, you just would never know. That adds to the excitement, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> there, was a few, there was a few interesting ones on Saturday, but I, I won't bore anyone with my uh, well established views and such things. Um, look, the, the runner up, you know, was rated 79. I don't think you'd, you'd be getting, I'm sure she's improved, but I don't think you'd be getting uh, super excited about the form with a couple of disappointments behind. Look, she's clearly very talented she's got a stage she's got a group three win in her bag now and um i suspect that they'll try it as best they can to just wait with her um a lot longer than uh, going forward um because yeah when, when you when you uh behave like that when you hit the front it's not a uh, conducive to showing your very best so no. um, i'm sure they'll they'll try and uh, they'll try and wait if they can with her but i'm um, talented philly yeah definitely talented philly um talented Colt would be Denmark, who we saw at Nace early on in the week, win at Nace, now 20s for next year's derby, having been introduced at 33s, Brendan. Uh, he was about as green as I think a horse can be over that sort of trip at that sort of track and still win. Yes, well, well, hopefully it was green. That's now there, there seems to be plenty of his granddaddy in there. I wasn't there. Uh, I was coming coming home from uh, a weekend away, but the people I thought you said to, you were a flat fan, Brendan. I know I I, I, I sort of disgraced myself, but um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 trying to cultivate a burgeoning relationship as well. It's a it's a tightrope, Vanessa. You know, but I, <laughs> hey, I, I, you're, I, you're I, telling I, me, Brendan. You're <laughs> telling me it's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't make I I couldn't make nice. But the people who I talked to who were standing around the paddock said he got quite fizzy beforehand. Uh, again, that's his granddaddy's influence. He has quite a head, high, high head carriage. Again, the Monjo's coming through on him. But I'd say it was a decent made. I mean, the second and third represent top stables. The fourth and fifth uh, brought credible maiden form to the party, albeit Nation's Call ran two free on the day in Nace. Um, I'd say he's potentially a very, very good horse, but he it might take all of Aiden's skills to keep a lid on him. 
Oh, interesting insight there. Would you agree with that, Kevin, when it comes to Denmark? Yeah, he he'd take a bit of harnessing because like it's unusual to see one of Aiden's um, you know, quite so raw, um, even on debut. Like they, they do tend to be professional because. in the main. And, you know, even on Seaton Ryan after the last and that, like that's all kind of unusual stuff. Um, so he clearly does have that bit of character about him. And look, he'll just be an interesting character study, won't he? Watch him next time, prelims in the race, time after that again. And we'll just get an idea of, of where uh, his his greenness meets his character uh, and whether it's, it's moving the right way or not. But um, yeah, clearly loads and loads of talent in there. And um, yeah, no better man to pull it out of him. No, he will be a really interesting character study to follow over the coming months, for sure, and into next year. We'll look forward to that. Uh, let's go back to the current, focusing in on Go Bears Go, Kevin. He won the Group 3 for Ammo Racing. David Lochnan seemed absolutely delighted, and he's now 12-1 to 1 from 16s for the Betfair Sprint Cup, and he also has American options. Um what do you, do you think of his performance? Has he has he improved a fraction for that application of, of cheap pieces? Um, it's done no harm. Um, look, fair play to to David for for coming over. Um, like uh, I don't think you know you look at the the level of the runner up, etc., and the, even the third. Um, I, I think he, he he found a nice spot. And look, he, he's a very hardy cold this fella. He's got plenty of Group One form in the book. And um, look, he's he's won a Group Three. Can he win a Group One? Is is the big question. He he was touched off at a couple last year, um, and it, it would be massive for him if he could. Um, but he he will meet deeper waters um, back in that company. And I think I'd, personally, I'd like to see just a little bit more from him um, before I, I think he can go and win one. Did you like the idea of ta them taking him back over to America, not for the Breeders' Cup? I think they had a race in Keeneland. Was it mapped out for him? I heard them saying. Do you think he? Do you think he would suit that sort of plan? It'd be an interesting one because obviously, look, their sprinters are very strong. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, a different type of sprint over there than he generally meets over here. You know, we don't have many um, pattern sprints around a bend um in this neck of the woods whereas everything over there is obviously so um it'd be punchy and I, look i'm a, I'd, I'd always admire fellas for trying things um and i'd, I'd be look be interested to see how it goes what do i fancy him uh, it depends on the opposition but it would be a very punchy thing to do and, and good luck to them if, if they feel strongly about it enough to do it yeah i would agree with that we like a sort of punchy campaign don't we kevin um brendan were you taken with go bears go uh similar sort of questions to you or in fact before we wrap up the cover as well was there anything else there that caught your eye on saturday that you'd like to mention uh well well sure i'm sure kevin will, will mention i'll, I'll riff it so so I, I leave that to him shelton is worth a mention she's a quite a taking specimen a lot of power behind the saddle and she stepped up markedly on her debut now her debut there was nothing wrong with her she actually had a good draw but she slightly missed the break and they all came in on top of her and she got shuffled back but anyway she took a big step forward on saturday look good i give a mention to cairo i'm not sure that was much of a maiden he was second in but he was um what's the euphemism he was very cold before the race and um, I'd say that uh, again uh, he's by quality road I'm not sure if Aiden's ever had a quality road but obviously he's a top class American stallion so again he's another horse a little bit like Denmark you just have to be uh, conscious uh, of which way to go in, in terms of his temperament but I'd say I'd say he has a, a, a bit of ability um, and also of course just a, a shout out to Joseph O'Brien the 1000 winners in seven years I mean 
it's just it's just a credible operator. Uh, it didn't lick it off a stone, and I, I take the point that he couldn't have had a, a better start in life. But um, his horses, they're always so well turned out. You very rarely see them, them pulling a race. And they're just so hardy. And I mean, he ran a horse. He won a jump race in Dan Patrick on Sunday with a horse who can't jump. Now, firstly, if I was him, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd knock the national hunt stuff. I'd knock the national hunt stuff on the head. I just concentrate on the flat. But I mean, he's got his. Uh, again, Kevin could, could talk about. It. He's got his eyes on global do- domination. He's winning big races in Australia, setting up satellite yards in America. Um, it's uh, it's it's like. Um, uh, what's that quote in Die Hard where Alexander wept at 22 because there were no more worlds left to conquer? Well, it seems like this young fellow could go to 72. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how many winners he's going to have. But uh, yeah, the great achievement anyway, having a thousand winners in seven years. Yeah, it is a pretty decent achievement. Um, Kevin, thoughts on Al Ripper, I suppose, should probably follow on from that discussion. Yeah, he's a he's a smasher now, Vanessa. Yeah, he'd be one to be very excited about. We've we flagged him and racing only better on whatever day that was Thursday. Um, and now he would might have taken everyone's eye out in terms of the style, but um, like he's still a, a you know a very raw colt, and I think he probably put the brakes on when he hit the front. And um, yeah, I'd say he could be taking a a steep step up in class next time possibly, and uh, he'd be one he'd be one to be very excited about. Um, and just just to quickly go back to Go Bears, go there. I completely forgot. It's actually Kentucky Downs they're going to with him, um, Sorry, which, yeah. which, which which I think is a great shout. That that's a, probably the most European American track there is. It's a very unusual place out in kind of the middle of nowhere. It's got a casino attached to it, and they just have the most unbelievable prize money there. Um, so yeah, that, that, I'd say that's a big a big driver in what they're doing, and they're absolutely good luck to them. It, it's worth having a look at on, on Google Earth. Like it's a very strange shaped track. Um, it looks like nothing else they have in America. Um, I think they actually designed it to be like a European turf track. But anyway, it, I, I like the shout to go there. Yeah, um, it's it's been on my radar for a couple of years, and I haven't managed to um, push one out there. But yeah, love that shout. Okay, classy campaigning from David Lockname. If that goes to plan, the Go Bears go. Um, quick mention to all the team, team, team racing we've had to endure over the last week. Uh, endure, enjoy, Vanessa, enjoy. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, my words came out wrong. My words came out wrong. I'm a team player. Um, words came out wrong. Freudian slip. Um, Shergar Cup. Should we start with first? I think maybe. Um, you were there, Kev. What were your highlights, other than the fact that our very own Barry Orr seemed to tip the winner of every race at huge prices? He did. <laughs> it was an unbelievable <laughs> performance from Betfair Barry, in fairness to him. Great credit where it's due now. Yeah, that, that won't be beaten for a while. A turkey trees, 14s, and a couple of others as well. Just for just for a crack. A couple of supplementary <laughs> five to one winners, just as you do. Like um, but look, I I, I actually genuinely enjoy the Shergar Cup. And look, you'll get the same fellas that have been on for 20 years. Oh, race is not a team sport, and have a little cry and a moan and blah blah. But um what I, I've been there a good few times over the years and I enjoy it. Lads, just kind of suspend your disbelief there, just go and enjoy it. Um, you know, some great jockeys there this year. Um, uh, uh, particular, there's a few there in particular that I like, really embrace it, like that Emma Jane Wilson. Like she's a bit mad, I think, but uh, she 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 really gets into it. And even <laughs> the likes, of, even the likes of Frankie were, was getting into it. And it. It's just a fun day. Like there was, I don't know what there was, sixteen or seventeen thousand people there. You know, really competitive racing. Um, no quarter given. You know, good betting product. Um, I enjoy it. 
and you come home having enjoyed your day and you move on back to the normal 364 day year race and thereafter and uh yeah i i enjoyed it yeah look i know all, all seriousness i am with you it's a one-off day and it seems to get people going and lots of people seem to enjoy it big family day um so no i'm i'm not being rude about it i actually feel bad about that comment <laughs> um kevin just tell me what did you enjoy more um, having your photo taken with a load of women and putting it on your Instagram or Matt Chapman getting soaked with a bottle of champagne. Yeah, that made my week now because it's been a tough week for, for <laughs> anyone that's been dealing with Matt Chapman. Like, and I have been for much of the week and like the, the race in league on Thursday. And it was one of the more miserable experiences I've had on the race course in my life. Um, wow. You know, wow. whatever about Team Ireland, you know, doing okay, I suppose. But it was just Chapman winning like basically every race. And he's a bit over the top anyway, but he wasn't even being over the top. Just the levels of smugness were like in danger of lifting the stand, uh, 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 the roof off the stand at Doncaster. Like it was just <laughs> painful. And just the constant text messages. Oh, hope you're doing better, Kev. You know, hope you have a good day. Oh, <laughs> tough now. So to see the whole week wrapped up with Jamie Spencer. I actually like, I actually I was. It was like the finish of the the Irish Oaks that Sariska won a few years ago. You have Chapman there going flat out trying to get away, and Spencer just, just lopes up with Loping a bottle of champagne <laughs> and dad douses him for as long as he wants, and then he just stops and lets Chapman toot laugh. It yeah. was uh, it was highly and highly entertaining. <laughs> I got a real yeah. kick out of it. <laughs> Spencer is a class act through and through, and that just epitomised <laughs> that for my liking. Um, oh, give, give the man a knighthood after that. Build, yeah. build a statue of him. Do whatever you want. Nothing is too nothing is too much for Spencer after that. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He won over a lot of fans. Um, Brendan, <laughs> just recapping team racing in the week. How did you feel? Did you get to catch much of the new look racing league? And if you did. <laughs> Uh, did you do? You, do you like the look of it? Are you, are you into the racing league at all, Brendan? I'm, I'm not particularly. I'm into the fact that it's uh, putting up good prize money in competitive racing. So anything that delivers good prize money in competitive racing, I'm a fan of, and uh, I hope it works out. But I would be sort of. Uh, Kevin was talking about the moaners about racing as a team. <laughs> that, that that that's me. I can just I, I can. <laughs> I can just never uh, re really get get on board with it, but it, it, it's a results business, and um, yeah, competitive race is what we want, so it, it certainly look, provided that. Yeah, and Brendan, look, the one thing I keep being told in life is life is about compromise, and you'll learn this <laughs> a new relationship. You've got to yeah. learn to compromise, and it's a bit yeah. the same at racing. We've all just Absolutely. got to compromise. Okay? Yeah, great, absolutely, I'm, 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 and also. Um, uh, trust and communication. Apparently, they're the two other uh, bed bedrocks of a successful relationship. I mean, I think we're doomed. Uh, I think we're doomed for that. Because you get to a certain. Age. We mean to. Hey, hey. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm not doomed. No, you're not doomed. I'm living my best life over here. Okay. Right. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, let's give a quick mention, Kevin, to a bit more American racing. Um, Charlie Appleby, William Buick, just going out there with two horses, winning the Belmont Derby and the Belmont Oaks. Nation's pride without the moonlight. Uh, skip on over there and bring home two massive pots. I mean, 
I, William Buick's actually at Wolverhampton today, which is where I am. So he was riding at 9.22 our time last night to win that with without the moonlight race. And then he's here for three terrible rides. I mean, when I say terrible rides, they're, <laughs> they're good rides, but I mean, it's just terrible racing here at Wolverhampton. And yet, so he's managing this year to balance trying to win the Jockeys Championship and international big races. Um, it, it's a pretty fine balance, but he looks like he's got a handle on it. And it's a pretty incredible accomplishment. I don't really think he's got that much attention to go over there and sweep those two big pots. Yeah, look, and I, I give great credit to, to Charlie Appleby now. Like his international campaigning in the last couple of years has been deadly. Um, like all, all these races are on his radar and he's doing a really good job in, in matching up suitable horses to them. Um, and yeah, what can you say? Only fair play. Um, like it wasn't the, I suppose the Applebee's big winners were, wasn't the only big action in America. Um, the, the Whitney, uh, life is good. One of the best horses in the world, um, was strutting his stuff and he did it very well. But <laughs> you know what? I'm just, uh, there, there's videos I've been doing the rounds. I'll see if I find it on Twitter and I might retweet it of the, of the head on of Life is Good. And you can probably gather what went on from the side on. But Arad Ortiz Jr. with the most flagrant bit of deliberate interference, unnecessary, unnecessary and deliberate interference in the closing stages was just shocking. He left a bit of room on his inside. He gave a glance. And he saw, I think it was Hot Rod Charlie pass. Oh, no, sorry. It was Happy Saver up the inside. And he ended, like, you know the way, like, the British and Irish jockeys are quite good at accidentally on purpose drifting. You know, oh, sorry, didn't know yeah. you were there. He literally yeah. went hard left hand down, leaned his whole body left <laughs> to close the gap. It was shocking in a grade one. Um, on the biggest stage, I just thought it was ah, uh, we're we're not the only ones with problems in the UK and Ireland with this sort of well, thing. That's that's a very chancy thing to do over there. Oh, though. stop! <laughs> no, and they don't. They've they've swapped up the rules there. Um, oh, they're not okay. they're they're not in the old fashioned um, oh, touch okay. a horse and you get put behind the rules. They they they've swapped up and they they're going through a, a, a not dissimilar debate to what we're having over here. Ah, right. Um. In terms of what, what's appropriate, are punishments correct, etc. Like he didn't get mad consequences, like the 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 one and second, you know, didn't check and come down, but it was just an extreme move, you know, the the intent of which was extremely obvious. But uh, the horse was just far enough back that uh, the one the pursuer was just far enough back that it didn't cause mayhem. But it's <laughs> just the aggressiveness and clear the deliberate nature of it was uh, was quite remarkable. But there you go, Kevin's. I like the fact that Kevin, your interference eye. You know, there's no stone left unturned. Like no, pe people treat me, Vanessa. These things happen. And These Connor Hicks, happen. Connor Hicks, there, who is a regular podcast listener, I know, and he tweeted he tweeted me the the good video of this this morning. Um, so yeah, the, <laughs> I'll put it into the WhatsApp group, and you can have put a it piece. into the WhatsApp group. And and apologies, guys. I just talked about Nations Pride without the moonlight winning at Belmont. It's obviously Saratoga. They went to Belmont pre that, so just just rectify that. Thank you very much. Uh, more international action. Um, meant we should be mentioning the the French group ones that happened over the week. Saffron Beach just winning the pre Rothschild, beating Tenebrism and all of them. She's just such a tough filly, Brendan. Like, how can you not like her? And a trainer as well. There's just so much to like about her. And that performance was just right up there with her very best. It, well, it was. I, I mean, I suppose that makes sense in, in terms of it was her only her 11th career start. She probably is getting better. And she's just a teeth tough filly. I mean, I felt sorry for Tenebris because I don't 
I don't quite think Tenebrism sees out the mile, and there was just no chance of getting past her because she's a complete warrior of the turf. Uh, Tenebrism is interesting, actually, in terms of future targets as well, isn't she? Because you would think the matron, because obviously that's a, a race Aiden would want to target, and I'm not sure what else he has for it. But if, if, if she doesn't really get the mile, would they be tempted by the Haydock Sprint Cup? That's where I go with her. I think she'd have a right chance in that. But but anyway, um, Aiden will decide. But but Saffron Beach, yeah, and any race she runs in, she's just a, she's just a massive contender, and I, I think she's still improving. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Just you know what you're going to get with her. She's always putting in a best show, and like you say, seems to be improving. Uh, Highfield Princess as well, Kevin for the Quins. I love this story. You know, this Philly winning was it of a mark of 58 two years ago, basically. Now she's won a Group One, wins the Primoris de Geest. Uh, just again, another mare improving with age, and John Quinn. That every I think I said it on the podcast previously, just every so often a horse comes along that just shows you what a great trainer John Quinn is. And this filly is flying the flag for him this time around. And I, I couldn't love it anymore, actually. I love it. Yeah, so she's been brilliant, really. And she she even I, she's obviously, you know, wider context has come an unbelievably long way. Like you say, market fifty-seven. Uh wouldn't you be fair sick if you if you took uh, the six to one off of market fifty-seven and you got beat at Doncaster? <laughs> <laughs> back in August 2020. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, that, that you can find that into uh, the, the absolute, how did this absolute good thing get beaten uh, category? But but there you go. But even, like I, I recall, I happened to be to be tuned into her comeback run um, back at Chelmsford in February, where she looked absolutely gone at the game. She was beaten at odds on. And like she she was like rated 107. And so she, she hardly ran to 70. And looked absolutely gone at the game, and they, they've managed to gradually um, build her up as the season has gone on. She won on all weather finals day at Newcastle, and um, she she's just gone through the gears. And this was right up there with her very best, obviously. Um, real good performance, real admirable mare, and yeah, fair play to all involved. Yeah, she as a little side note for listeners, she is owned and bred by John Fairley. And John Fairley owns the yard that John Quinn trains out of. And he also lives there. So he sees his own mare every morning. His family are like horse mad, eventing mad, horsing mad. And he used to run the old Channel 4 racing. He used to be heavily involved in the old, old Channel 4 racing days and just as they were on their sort of way out when rights were changing and things he he's friends with my mum in Yorkshire and he got me a John Fairley got me a day's work experience with the old Channel 4 racing team and it was the year I think Arctic Cosmos when the St. Ledger and I think that's right Ooh, and, memorable one that one <laughs> yeah I yeah, know <laughs> Where are they now? But, um, however, many years, <laughs> however many years ago that was. And I remember distinctly going to the day, having a great day, being behind the scenes with the Channel 4 racing team all day. And then I got in the car. I remember the traffic lights and everything on the way home where I just had this light bulb moment where I was like, well, that's it. Like my life's decided. I'll work in, I'll work in racing media for the rest of my life. And it was just there and then I decided that that's what I do. And fast forward however many years, and here I am waffling so, on with so, you about that story. So he's the man to blame. Yes, there you go. <laughs> he is why you have me here. Okay. So there you have there you have it, listeners. That's now you know who to address your letters of complaint to. <laughs> <laughs> 
John Fairley, owner breeder of Highfield Princess. <laughs> um, Congratulations right, on Highfield Princess, John. But, but, where did you get that scab from? Um, right, okay, let's move on. Section two, action away from the race course. And Kevin, it's over to you for um, this whole BHA publication about preventing Irish horses, essentially in lower grade national hunt horses, uh, national hunt races coming over here to the UK and stealing our low grade prizes. Basically, uh, saying to Gordon Elliott, we don't want your business. Thank you very much. Uh, so what, what, what have you made of the further details that have come out around this? Yeah. And flat races too, class five and six. Don't forget. Um, yeah. That should look. <laughs> It's, it's a bit disappointing. It's a bit pathetic, really. Um, like, you know, this, yeah, they can ultimately do what they want, but, the, you know, to try and dress it up the way they have now, you know, call it what you like, call it, you know, it's protectionism, you know, like we, that, that's what it is. You know, and it's fine. You can do that if you want to do it. You know, the French don't allow um, uh, foreign trained horses run their handicaps. You know, the Irish technically don't allow um English horses rated 60 or less run on their handicaps. Like so there, there is precedent. Um, you know, for, for an English horse to run and an Irish not uh, if they're rated 60 or less, they, they have to come over and run on a non-handicap and then they get their they get their own handicap mark back if assuming they don't run to higher than it and then they can blast away. Um but look they they brought this in under the guise of COVID. Um covid related changes and they've left it there um look it, it's disappointing for irish trainers because it, it would have been um you know it would have been an important outlet for a lot of uh inverted commas smaller trainers um you know fellas that were desperate to get a win into a lowly rated philly things like that it was it was a very um welcome avenue to have um and a very uneconomic one in many ways because you you know it costs so much especially now post brexit it costs so much to get over like it'd be a loss making exercise to go over and win uh a not to 60 or not to 55 in the uk with the with the prize money being so shocking so to be then told no we're not going to allow you to, <laughs> to, to to you know embark on this you know thoroughly uneconomic journey to uh give us a much needed runner um and and compete you know, I I just think it's a bit ridiculous. Really, I, we mentioned that on the podcast a few weeks ago. Like, and I might do it just for the crack. If you, if you laid out the the success rate of British trained um, sprint handicappers in Ireland over the past ten years, like it would make your eyes water. Like, and and these aren't you know two and three grand races. These are hundred grand premier handicaps that they've been waltzing away with for ten years, and. <laughs> You know, the HRI have never thought of the bond themselves and say, well, look, whoa, do we really want these English horses coming over, winning all our sprint handicaps when there's, you know, legitimate questions about the handicap levels not matching up, etc." No, they leave them to it. So that's horse racing, lads. You know, you, you can't just, you know, you can't just take your ball away if the, if the fella down the road's better in soccer than you. Um, well, it's, uh, I find I find it a bit frustrating and I can, I can know that there is a great amount of frustration amongst a lot of Irish trainers that would have gone over and back um, a bit over the years. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, they're taking their ball away, aren't they? And they can try and dress they it up have. anyway. And, you know, with their, with their skewed statistics, you know, who would have thought that uh, that Irish trained horses that are brought to England on thoroughly uneconomic hmm. journeys would have a higher success rate than, uh, than, than the full population? Like, wow, revelation stuff, lads. Jesus, get the... Get get the scientists onto this. Like, come on, like that's, well, that's, that's, that, could, that's, that couldn't be more expected. Is this? And if we have the same shanky numbers to justify, 
the way yeah. they deal with Irish handicappers in, in national hunt racing as well. Like it's called selection bias. That look it up in the dictionary. Jesus Christ! I, well, I I sorry. No, 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 go, Brendan, go, 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 go. No, 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 no. Just, just, just on, on that point, and I'm stealing a bit something from from De- Declan Maher here, but he was talking about impact values. And actually, if you look at what the, they're not looking at fair impact values. You're at Wolverhampton today, for example, Vanessa. There will be hundred to one shots in handicaps. Which how can that happen? But it yeah. happens all the time. They're, they're not. They're yeah. not equal. But you, you, he, he, Declan likes to compare the impact value of the Irish performers against, say, horses in England who have placed in the first three on their last run, which seems like a much fairer way of doing things. And on that metric, the Irish horses are actually poorly treated. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Those are the numbers, if you look at it from that angle. And I had a feeling Kevin Blake would feel impassioned by that topic. So we're glad we've got the Kevin Blake rant out the way for today. Um, another thing that caught the headlines of late, Brendan, this week were the Cork Stewards. Their decision, were they right or wrong? Who was right or wrong when it comes to who can tell Willie Mullins who is going to ride his yeah. horses? This is all around Stratum. Uh, the Stewards yeah. told needed a like-for-like jockey, and he didn't like being told what to do. And the toys came out the pram, Brendan. Well, yes. I, I mean, I, I don't want to sit in the fence. And do. Obviously, the reason it became a big issue was because it's Willie Mullins, and no one tells Willie Mullins what to do. Higginstown don't tell him how much they're going to pay him. Uh, if anyone tells him anything, he just said, send the box down in the morning, the horses will be waiting there. That's the way he rolls, and, and that's fine. Now, this rule... As far as I can remember, this rule came in because someone pulled a stroke where they had a claim and jockey down and the bookies thought, oh, well, this uh, maybe not today or, or whatever. And then the claim and jockey broke down or, um, <laughs> or, 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 you know, got some mystery illness, didn't make it and was replaced by a top jockey. I can't remember. That's the reason. Uh, I remember. Oh, oh, do you? Okay. Well, okay. Uh, I remember. I remember quite well for some reason. It was nearly 20 years ago, Brandon. Okay. It, was at, it was at Brighton. It was a horse trained by Mark Wallace called Hanton. And it, it was first time out for a debut in a cellar at Brighton. And oh, what was the name of it? Uh, oh, now can I remember the name of the fellow that was originally to be on? It was a, a very inexperienced apprentice anyway. Um, almost certainly claiming seven. Very inexperienced. And uh, like you say, the money came in droves. And they were hammered down in price. And um, uh, by by a horrendous streak of bad luck, the apprentice's car broke down on the way. Uh, and and by a horrendous streak of good luck, Kieran Fallon was uh, at Brighton. <laughs> and he, I don't think he'd any other ride on the card, but he happened to be there. And he gave the, 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 the horse was as green as grass. It was all over the place. No one would have else would have got him home and Fallon gets him up by his neck. <laughs> okay, so, so, so <laughs> unbelievable. As, as we can see from that example, there are genuine reasons why, why this rule is in place. But Vanessa, you were talking about the, 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 the secret to success in life and relationships might be compromising that and uh, perhaps discretion as well. Because I think in this case, with what had happened, so, so the rule is there, I get that, but the stewards are there, Willie Mullins is there, so they can talk to one. With what had happened, Town End had had a fall and been stood down by the doctor. So there's in this case, there's the, unless, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with Die Hard today, unless it was like a hand. <laughs> a Hans Gruber type plot where he got 
where they go for a, a big punt on this horse and they get town in to jump off a horse to injure himself. The stewards could have said, right, well, there's nothing hooky about this. We'll make an exception to the rule in this case. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. Yeah. So I think on, on balance, I, I, I think if a situation arises where the jockey gets injured on the day, the doctor sees him at the track, I think in that case, the trainer probably should be able to do what he wants. Okay. Uh, fair, I, fair. I've, I've, got, I've got the rest of my details, Vanessa, here if you want them. <laughs> Go on, go on. The, the apprentice's name was Carl Bowman. The horse was back from 14 to 1 to 7 to 4. And the reason they gave was that he was stuck in traffic rather than his car broke down. Uh, we, should, we, should do a pod, we should do a podcast on, on that whole this? thing. Like, there, there was a big jockey club inquiry. Like, it was a big, there was a big book. Oh, and that was it. It was a seller. And they went to 28 grand to buy him back afterwards. Which was, un- which was unheard of at the time. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You see, this is why we love horse racing. These sort of ridiculous stories playing out. There's been a bad luck with that traffic. Good luck that Kieran was there. What a result. Oh, um, I'd love to see a video because I remember the horse was, I think Fana like lost an iron. Like the horse was so wayward and he managed to get him home with Nick. <laughs> the magic, the magic man. Right. Um, let's move on to listeners' questions. Time is ticking away. Uh, so we'll crack straight on. We've just got a few this week. Ian Bent to kick things off. Went to Newmarket Saturday, paid six seventy-five for a pint, not even the freshly poured one, but taken from a selection of pre-poured pints. Also paid nine pounds for a ropey hog roast and four pounds for chips. When a racecourse is going to start looking after customers and provide some type of value for money, Brendan, would you have that over in Ireland? You wouldn't have that all, all over in Ireland, but my experience of going uh, racing in England is that the bar staff are slower than molasses. So I like the idea of having these three, four points. I think that's a good idea. But uh, in, in, in fairness, it, it is very expensive to, 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 to go racing in England. Now, it's quite, in, in terms of buying food and drink, it's quite expensive in Ireland as well. Like you do pay a premium. Um, is, is it excessive? Probably is a little bit, but again, I'm not sure what to compare it to. I imagine at all major sporting events, you pay a premium for food and drink. So is is it exorbitant on racetracks? My my hunch is no, but I don't actually have any evidence uh, to, to back that up. Well, Brendan, in your new in your new burgeoning relationship, you might have to venture out to other sporting events. So maybe you can do a compare and contrast for us if you ever go anything other than flat race. <laughs> I will. I will do that. No problem. I tell you what, that's so. That's something I listen to now. Ben Keith has carved down a niche for himself there and doing uh, doing restaurant reviews. We we can have Brendan Jukes um, uh, mobile catering reviews at uh, sporting <laughs> yeah. events. At sporting yeah. events, yeah, might be a niche market. Sure. Uh, we Derek O'Donnell, get me a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Derek O'Donnell, I should say, has got a couple of questions for you, Kev. Um, Number one, I think we've already tackled. How notable are you rating Brad Till's stumble out of the stalls in how the race panned out? And how would you now rate Little Big Bear versus Aidan O'Brien's best two-year-olds over the years? Well, we've already tackled that. An eight out of ten, Derek. And Brad Till's stumble, not all that bad. But his second question can come your way, Kevin, too. Um, He's interested in whether the team was surprised to see the big spike in entries for Flemington, considering, considering the retained extra medical checks and the continued use of Werribee, despite the feedback from the European trainers. Were you surprised about the entries for Flemington? 
Um, no, look, because last year they obviously went, went, went way over the top of what they asked horses to do. I think a lot of the bigger operations just took the view, look, just, this, this just isn't, it, it, it's not the right thing to do. It's not viable. It's not fair on the horse. It, it could, it's something that would be difficult to overcome. Um, sure, look, uh, a few went down, stayed of rest on the Cox Plate and probably showed it can be done. And then since, um, since then, they got rid of the most contentious part of those requirements. They got rid of the, the full body bone scan. That's no longer um, required. Um, so it's now it's just it's mostly just CT scans and, and a few other vet checks, which which aren't ideal. But it's you know the, the full body bone scan was kind of out on its own in terms of the ridiculousness of it. Um, so it, it wasn't a surprise that that the numbers have gone back up again. Werribee, like Werribee, some people hate it. Some people think it's okay. It, it's you you'd see a lot better quarantine facilities around around the world there. Um, God, I was only reading the other day, like you want to see what Japan are, are after just finishing the quarantine <laughs> facility they've built. Like, it's just unbelievable. I can um, imagine. And look, this is what you want. Like, you, like, surely, you know, most racing nations see the value in, you know, attracting international competition. It elevates everything. And, and you know, international competition has really elevated Australian racing's um, standing. I think it's fair to say over, over the course of decades now, not, not recently. And um, yeah, you'd, you'd like to think that you get fair play and you, you get treated very well when you do undertake, um, you know, the, the expense and adventure to, uh, and risk to go out there. But um, yeah, Werribee, I, I still wouldn't be, I, I don't think would be considered satisfactory by, by most. Um, and look, hopefully they can, um, they have loads of money down there. It'd be great if they put, put some of it in that direction. Yeah. And sticking with you for our next question, Kev, uh, TJ, Toby Conrad has asked, Cleveland moving from Aidens to Joseph with the Melbourne Cup, the supposed long-term aim. How does Kevin, or any race planning for that matter, plot the route in order to get a favourable weight in the main in the main handicap target? Oh, I see what he means. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not an exact science with the Melbourne Cup. Like it's it's a relatively tight band. Um, like so, you're, you're not you 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 have a thought for their mark, but it's not you're not aiming for an up to eighty five. You know you can't be. You can't be as clever as you'd like to be. Like the main thing with the Melbourne Cup is getting um, ballot exempted, and like it's it's there's a huge range of kind of ways you can do that. And um, Cleveland, I think one of them off the top of my head is you have to finish in the first three in a group race over a mile and a half or further. Um, and and he's done that now. He wasn't actually he wasn't Melbourne Cup ballot exempted when he joined Joseph, but he is now having uh, finished second the other night. So that was a that was a big hurdle to clear, um, and that makes it a lot easier to get in. And you, you know, it'd be a big challenge if you weren't. So, um, yeah, so he, he should be okay. Um, you know, I, I really on his European rating, you'd want him a couple of nudges higher, um, just to feel a bit better about it, a couple of pounds higher. But, um, yeah, I think I think he's well on his way. Hopefully, okay. We'll follow his progress. TJ's also asked, does going to the races when you're not working feel unusual? No, TJ, it feels bloody marvellous. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> I, if I ever get the opportunity to go when I'm not working, yeah, it's an absolute privilege. Wouldn't you agree, Brandon? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I would never work at the races uh, because it's my sanctuary. So uh, it, it'd, be, I'd be heartbroken to have to work at the races. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, you you, you want to be there enjoying yourself. Okay, and here's another one for you, Brandon, um, from Steve Gunn. Wow. Coral and Labrooks include reserves as non-runners at Ascot today, meaning massive rule fours are applied. 
I backed the max we can at 40 to 1 a few days ago and just seen 25 pence rule for against my winnings. These bloody billionaire bookmakers. And next, sort of attached to that, is is the above standard practice or something worth discussing on the Wade In podcast? I've lost out on a lot of money because of this, as I can imagine others have too. Yeah, uh, okay, Steve. Uh, Tindy Vale, we're back to 30 to 1 winner, all the same, still. Not, not, not <laughs> I, I, would, I would say that this is a very, there is no standard practice. So, so uh, uh, what Betfair and, and uh, other companies do is they price all the horses, they price the reserves. And then when the, hopefully when the reserves come out, they don't take any rule for. But what that does mean that if you add up the, all the percentage, it come, if one of the reserves is, say, a three to one shot or something, you get this ridiculous percentage for a, a 12 runner race. Uh, so, and the other flaw is if in, in, in that race we're talking about, if Red Force Blue, who was, say, a seven to two shot or something, had replaced a 10 to one winner, are a 10 to 1 runner, then the punters lose out there because there's no compensation for the difference in price between the reserve and the horse that was already in. But there's just nothing you can do. So you have to come up with what do you think is the fairest thing to do for the punter? So what Ladbrokes and Carroll's have done, and there's a legitimate case, I prefer the better way personally, but there's a legitimate case to be made for you price the 12 horses to say, I don't know, 122% or what have you, then obviously you're going to be bigger prices about everything. Because if Red Force Blue, who you have at uh, three to one or seven to two or whatever, it comes out, you're going to take the rule four. So it's just, I, I feel like it's just something that punters have to be aware of. And the, I mean, Steve probably should have sensed that the reason Ladbrokes were 40 to one and top price was because of the reserve policy. Now, I know this doesn't come up very often, particularly for English punters, or uh, I think Irish punters have to be aware of. Um, but I have sympathy with the bookmakers here. I think there's a legitimate case to be made for either strategy. Um, I, I do personally prefer uh, the, the, the Betfair one, but I would, to say that it's sharp practice from uh, Ladbrook Stroke Cards, I wouldn't agree with that at all. Okay, excellent and in-depth answer from Brendan. Thank you very much for that. And that about wraps up the show, guys. Uh, it's been a joy and a privilege, as always. Brendan, good luck with your relationship rules going forward. I'm going to enjoy checking in with you in the future to see how that's going. Remember, it's all about compromise. And Kevin, uh, and Kevin, I think I will see you in Deauville at the weekend. We've got a jolly trip to Deauville planned. I mean, not together. Obviously, that would be weird. Dee would yes. like but uh, we will both be in Dover at the end of this week. So we will look forward to that. But we'll be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better, as always, to preview the weekend's action. But for now, thank you very much, the boys. And thank you very much for listening.